Welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast coming to you live from Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him at Eckerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow the show at CHGO underscore White Sox. We're being produced today by Sarah. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. It's five o'clock. Lovely five o'clock here in Chicago. Tomorrow, there's going to be a tornado, apparently, uh, according to Tom Skilling Lawrence uh, over here. So... uh, are you not replacing him? I am not. I am not. Uh, I'll be just as accurate as all the rest, except for Tom Skilling. Okay. I'm kidding. All the weather people in this town are great. Rank them right now. Um, I want I... Skilling's number one. Number two, I would go with a, a strong Brant Miller recommendation. Okay. And then I'd say number three, Mary Case K. Kleist Almighty, Channel 2. Um, let's see. Cheryl Scott's at ABC 7, number four. Uh, my man Demetrius Ivory, number five, uh, WGN, of course. And then I'm trying to think of all the rest of them. I w- WGN's got two in the top five? I mean, Damn. Tom Skilling's number one, of course. He's one, and then everybody else is like two, three, four, five, six. Demetrius Ivory is excellent. Um, but yeah, all the rest of them, you know, just in that same group. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for the ranking. And Your Ed Curran is conditions number six. <laughs> uh, make sure you hit the thumbs up button and uh, make oh, sure. I know way too many of these damn uh, weather people. Hey, you went one through five. That's, Amy Freeze used to be, but now she's like at Fox Weather. That's a great name. Yes. Do you think that's her real name? It is her real name. Her dad's name is Bill Freeze. I did a I did an interview with Amy Freeze back in the old score values days. You did. But I was trying to audition for the job and Mitch is like, nah, you're not right for the job. <laughs> and so I did like an audition tape slash pilot with Amy Freeze. It didn't work out, but I found out a lot about Amy Freeze in my research for you're, her. You're very lucky that didn't work out because man, oh, yeah. score, score values. values oof, oof. I've heard of it. Yeah. Oof. Or at issue with Craig Delamore. Hey, well, Craig's talking way over you guys' heads. Yeah. I mean, Sunday morning score programming. Craig is, Craig is a professional. Oh, yes, uh, he is. I, I used to do score values. I'm not a professional. And then I would go on and be like, hi, how's your, are you raising enough money? You can go donate money. And no <laughs> one's listening. Uh, anyways, uh, our adult isn't here. Uh, Vinny Duber is our typical resident adult for this show, and he is on a plane. He will be back tomorrow. But Vinny was very kind to uh, gather a ton of interviews for us oh, yeah. uh, down in Arizona. We got five, I think it's six. Is yeah, it we six got to now? double up six. on one day. Six one-on-one interviews from Pedro Grafal to Michael Kopech. Kopech will air today. We got Grafal, Stassi. Now, why did I start naming off all these people when I when I didn't have them in front of me? It's fine. I think but, Brebby is one of them. Uh, but Vinny did a great job, as I'm <laughs> illuminating uh, so greatly here. Um, but anyways, uh, the point is, we'll be playing the Michael Kopech one-on-one today. Uh, we will also be talking about seemingly Jerry Reinsdorf's ploy to buy up all the parking around the United Center, and then also J.B. Pritzker's response on publicly funding a brand new stadium. And then finally, we will wrap up all of the events from the White Sox spring training game. They finished their fourth game today, and throughout those four games, they have a grand total of 20 hits. That's a lot. That's not good. Um, Kopech, DeYoung, Fetty, Stassi, Pedro. Those are those are the, the, the five we got, and I think he's secured one more. But uh, we got a ton of content coming to you from Vinny. Uh, Vinny's on a plane. He'll be here tomorrow, though, and uh, we got a ton of White Sox stuff to talk about. So He has a new article up, too. He has a new article up, that too. You that you guys can read. That Sarah <laughs> wants to promote up at allchgo.com. Give Vinny uh, some love. <laughs> yeah, go give Vinny some love. Talking about the hitting being bad, 20 hits in four games. Yeah. Vinny talks about how bad the defense was. Uh, our guy Paul DeYoung, the guy known to be, uh, you know, smooth, steady defense, and here he is screwing, with thumps. screwing up a play, arguing at thumps, and letting him run in. Uh, not a good day over the weekend for the White Sox defense, and if you weren't able to watch it because it wasn't being aired, Vinny's got you covered at allchgo.com. But we're wasting time uh, talking about 
top five weathermen in Chicago or weather women, weather people, uh, right? Uh, let's go into Vinny Duber's interview with Michael Kopech. Uh, again, follow Vinny at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. He secured a ton of interviews for us down in Arizona. So make sure you're following us. Uh, he'll be covering the team all throughout 2024. Uh, and Vinny chatted with Michael Kopech about adding a new pitch, about his mindset and his body readiness and his expectations for 2024. So here is 11 minutes with Vinny and Michael Kopech. Michael, early days of camp. What is it at this time of the year that you guys are, are getting ready, you know, early in the spring before the games start? Uh, yeah, you go through the, the little things that end up adding up to be important throughout the course of the year. So um, a lot of PFPs, uh, comebackers, stuff like that. And, you know, obviously the things that we've worked on all off season, you know, fine-tuning our, our craft and trying to be as sharp as we can on the mound. Um, and then, you know, position players just rolled in, so just kind of trying to make sure that we're firing on all accounts. How did the offseason go for you? What were you working on specifically? Um, I was really just working on staying in my body, staying in control of the strike zone. And, uh, you know, I'd, I did add another pitch. I'm, I'm trying to try not to cut her right now. But um, for the most part, just uh, trying to sharpen everything up, not, not fall behind on hitters and, uh, you know, stay on the attack. What's the process of adding a new pitch like? Um, it's a lot of trial and error. You find grips that, you know, have potential but may not work for your arm slot. And then you find things that, that work really well for your arm slot but uh, may not have uh, exactly the shape. And so then you start going shaping a pitch. And, you know, we're, we're fortunate to have uh, Bannister on staff now, and he kind of helps with that. So since getting to camp, he's, he's been a huge uh, influence on how that pitch is molding into a potential weapon. Yeah, we see him really kind of coaching you guys up out there, really teaching, you know, during your bullpen sessions and stuff like that. What has it been like working with him the, the little bit you have so far? It's been great. Um, like I said, uh, he's able to think about things that you may not necessarily think about as a pitcher. Um, you think about how you can manipulate the ball, um, and he takes into account how, uh, you know, make maybe a seam shift to work against, you know, the aerodynamics of itself and, um, you know, have natural shape. Um, so he, he kind of gives his insight on that and his two cents and um, it ends up going a long way when you're trying to do something like I'm trying to do. You feel like you're in physics class sometimes maybe? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of the direction the game has gone in the, in the past few years and, um, you know, for good reason. Um, I think it's a, a huge tool to have, uh, you know, when we're, we're in the early days like this. So once you get to season and you're competing, you can just kind of work on uh, sharpening that pitch up and not trying to make something new in the middle of the year. Obviously, last year didn't go the way you wanted it to, but I'm sure you learned a lot. What, what, what did you learn about yourself last year? That what I have that day is, uh, you know, capable of competing without trying to do too much. I think when I got into trouble last year, I was trying to do more than what I had that day, um, and that ended up, you know, putting me in a position where um, I was walking a lot of guys and putting the team in a bad position, not going deep into games. Um, so now uh, my focus this year is come in, stay in the strike zone. Uh, if some damage happens, that's, that's part of the game. But for the most part, um, the best way to get outs is to have them swinging the bat and not keeping it on the shoulder. I asked your new catcher, Martin Maldonado, about, about you, and he said something similar. He said, you know, you don't have to be super nasty in order to be nasty. Is that kind of uh, helpful advice coming from a guy who's accomplished so much? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's kind of been uh, resonated with me throughout early days of camp so far from, from staff and from, from older veteran guys and just uh, knowing what you have from day to day. Um, you know, I, I like having good stuff, but, you know, you're not going to have your A-plus stuff every day. So being able to compete with what you do have goes a long way. We saw Chris Getz put a real emphasis on improving this team's defense over the offseason. And a lot of things, the things he said were so it could benefit the pitchers. So pitchers would be more comfortable throwing the way they want to throw. Are you more comfortable knowing that there's some new guys back there that have reputations of being able to pick the ball up and get it over to first base? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think it helps a lot that, you know, when when a ball gets put in play that you know that the guys behind you are going to do the job um, and nothing against the guys that we've had in the past. You know, I, I had a lot of respect for a lot of the guys that played behind me. Um, it was just kind of a, a tough year for everybody. And, you know, when, when stuff like that gets cleaned up, it makes it a lot easier to do your part and the guys in the field can do theirs. We, we heard from you, from Pedro, from, from a number of other folks last year that, you know, some of the things that you, you're struggling with, you know, physical part of the game, yes, but also the emotional, the mental part of the game, too, which you've always been very cognizant of. 
we can we can ask you, and it makes a lot of sense, you know, in the off season. Hey, you're working on this pitch. You're you're, you're working on your body. What does the work on the emotional and the mental side of baseball look like during the off season? Yeah, so I think the the mental side of the game also comes from a lot of spiritual clarity. Um, for me, um, you know, that's that's going to the good book and prayer, um, and a lot of that is just um, trying to control things that are out of your control, realizing that that's not a, you know, a, a beneficial tool. Like you're, you're going to have things that don't go your way. And um, when things hit the fan, so to speak, you, you want to be able to, you know, stay under control and, and let everyone else be able to do their job. Um, you know, you don't want to start searching. And I think I used that word a lot last season. Um, and I think right now I'm in a good position to kind of just go out there and do what I have and, and not try to search for too much. Yeah, well, what kind of, how does the confidence level on that front specifically kind of compare to where you were, maybe not a year ago now, but, but during the season last year? Yeah, I think uh, confidence goes a long way. Confidence, um, just being able to, to trust the guys around you and trust yourself. Um, that's part of being on a team like this. Um, I think that you know, going out there and, and doing what guys around you trust that you can do and, and the guy behind the dish trusts that, you know, the plan that he has, I, th I think that that puts you in a position to go out there and have uh, the best version of yourself on the mound. When we talked to you in the group the other day, you mentioned you, you do want to live up to expectations, but not necessarily the ones other folks have for you, but your own. What are your own expectations for what you can do, be it this year or just in general? Yeah, I think the the main thing for me may not be um, as black and white as having a, a sets uh, set type of goal. Uh, more so, um, being being a good example on the field for for younger teammates and being the type of teammate that I know the veteran guys on the team are are bringing to the table. So, um, leadership qualities are a thing that I, I really want to pride myself on this year and how I handle adversity, how I handle success, how I interact with my teammates. Um, those expectations, I think, translate to how I, I perform um, a lot more than people realize. So those are really where uh, my mind's fixated at right now. I think I asked you this last spring. I'll ask you it again now because it's been another year added. But, I mean, more than seven years in this organization now, when you kind of look back on what that road has looked like, obviously eventful, but uh, how would you say, um, you know, you, you are where are you right now compared to where you've been over the course of that journey? Um, comfortable is a, a difficult word to describe it. I would say I'm, I'm more comfortable as a major leaguer. I'm um, never quite comfortable with uh, – the the job it's it's not a job that you know entails a whole lot of comfort you're, you're performing in front of a lot of people you're always competing to hold on to the job you have because you know there's guys competing to come up and get a spot um, but I I think uh, a lot more casual about what this game is um, you know I don't have all my identity tied up into this game but I also know that um, I, this is my job, and I have to handle that like a professional. What does the what did the off season look like from from a more personal standpoint for me? Did you you know you mentioned the other day when we were talking that you kind of are able to unplug from baseball a little bit? What was it like spending time with your family and and, and getting to just kind of not be thinking about this? It was great. Um, you know, we're we're fortunate enough to be tucked off in a, a little part of the world where we get to kind of seclude into the pine trees a little bit and just have our own little slice of heaven there but um you know uh, i got baptized early in the season um i got married um we had another baby um so kind of building our family and building it with a strong foundation um was was a, a really peaceful way to spend this off season and it, it kind of helped me reset for when baseball does come back around I just think it's real important for people to like hear stuff like that because you know I mean you mentioned it right like you're performing in front of so many people you're getting you know everything dissected from what you're doing on the field but off the field you're doing the same kind of stuff everybody else is right right yeah we uh we're we're normal people in a sense you know we we have a very normal job but uh you know we we live everyday lives uh and um, being able to do that with a, a good family dynamic makes all the difference. We've heard a lot about kind of the way outside expectations are for this team this year, and very much from you guys, be it Pedro or, or you and your teammates, 
that you guys want to surprise some folks. What gives you the thought that you'll be able to do that when you look around this clubhouse here in the spring? Um, you know, part of it is just you know the the general chip on the shoulder uh, mentality, um, but also you know from individuals across the clubhouse last year, we, we know that you know we didn't perform to our utmost ability and as a as a team we, we definitely um, didn't do that in that front as well so I think just being able to kind of come together which is already happening early on um, is going to you know provide wins in small ways and those small ways add up to a lot more wins. So. Whether it's whether it's Pedro talking about you know what the outcomes might be or what the process is the new style that he hopes to play what is the message you're kind of hearing from the skipper this year and, and how does it really kind of excite you about what this team might be able to do? That we're going to do uh, the little things the right way, um, and you know I, I think that that's huge. Um, we've we've been fortunate enough to to have people in the organization that that preach that, and the new faces that are coming in are really uh, reemphasizing that. Um, and so I think you know handling things as a professional, carrying ourselves the right way, working hard, um, making sure that we're all you know moving in the same direction, pulling from the same end of the rope. I think those little things add up to make a big difference. And is that how you guys are going to surprise some people? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, I think that there's a, a lot of guys on this team that are, are still hoping to get their shot at a, you know, a, a postseason opportunity. And, you know, I, I think that with us fighting to become the team that we want to become, that, you know, we, we could be that in the near future. All right. Michael Kopech, thank you so much for your time. That is Vinny Duber, our CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him again at Vinny Duber. You can read his work at allchgo.com. He's got a new article posted up uh, at allchgo about uh, the defense over the past weekend for the Sox. Uh, we'll talk about biggest takeaways from that Kopech interview. Uh, real quick, though, uh, Jim Barista, who, again, I think I went to college and high school with. He hasn't addressed that. He's fine to say that Michael Kopech doesn't sound confident, but I don't know. We've seen Kopech for now seven years here, Herb. Wow, it's been that long. It has been that long, and we, we just went back to when he first made his debut, and apparently he was saying some uncouth things on the internet. Uh, but I <laughs> uh, forgot about that. Um, mm. But Kopech does, has done a lot of growing, it seems like. Uh, you even look at the picture from 2018 and just how babyface he looks. Yeah. I don't know if he is a guy that really has this emphatic truly loud voice. He talks about trying to become a leader there. I don't really think you could take much from the tone of his voice. And I think really just more of the actual stuff that he's saying, he's trying to grow confidence, trying to lean more into the veterans on this, this squad. And even the idea of, you know, not trying to do too much, even if he doesn't have his best stuff, just relaxing and trying to do what he can do, yeah. like induce weak contact and, you know, try to get guys to, to miss the barrel. And even with that too, he was a different pitcher just when he had a, a one strike. Uh, this is from SouthsideSox.com. Uh, Luke Smales. I, I think I'm saying that word, uh, last name correctly. So if, my bad if I'm not. Uh, but when Kopech threw one strike, he was a completely entire. He was an entirely different pitcher than when he didn't. Threw 0 and 1, a batting average of 201. When he had a 1 0 count, it was 260. His FIP went from 333 when he had an 0 1 count to 10.4 Jesus. Uh, and a K to walk ratio of 20.7 uh, through 01 to negative 4.8. Uh, <laughs> so like basically he, he was walking, walking guys ever. 5% more of the time when he was in that uh, or not 5.5%, 25% more of the time. Whenever he was in a 1-0 count, he was walking guys 25% more of the time when he was in a, a 0-1 count. Like I do think that if he feels comfortable with his teammates, he feels comfortable in the environment, and he is able to truly make some work with Bannister in the grips and the changing of his repertoire. I think we have a starting pitcher, or at least a guy that deserves to go all of 2024 as a starting pitcher. All the talk about him being a bullpen or closer, I think something has to go dramatic or drastically wrong or dramatically wrong. Yeah, had to do it. Dramastically. Dramastically. Put the two words hey, together. That's hey, perfect. Hey, there you go. Maybe, maybe I should copyright somewhere. Uh, dramastically. Uh, if he's able to be, if he is drama dramastically bad, um, maybe that's when they pull him within like a month. But if he's not losing confidence, I don't see a reason to pull him. Yeah, he seems like, and the results show it, and that, that uh, great tweet by Luke Schmales shows it, that he is more affected by the results of his pitches and or what the hitter did than any other pitcher. Now, 
I see what you're saying, Jim Barista. He doesn't sound confident, but that is his personality. Just a natural personality of being kind of quiet, shy, reserved. But you see on the mound, when we talk about Dylan Cease, there's no emotion there, whether good nor bad. You can tell how Michael Kopech is doing by just looking at the body language, immediately looking at the body language and seeing what's going on. And I've had a, a theory of that I think – the confidence last year was drained because of that first game where he threw, what, four home runs versus the Giants mm-hmm. or five home runs versus the Giants. And then later in that year, I think four home runs in a 16-4 win over the Cincinnati Reds. Like, I think he doesn't see, uh, man, I am Michael Kopech. I have X, Y, Z, and these people can't see me. He sees, man, I just threw that ball, and that man hit that ball to the goddamn moon, and now – I'm getting affected by that instead of saying, who cares? Give me the ball, next ball, and I'll throw another one. I mean, if he looks at it, Nolan Ryan gave up a bunch of home runs. You're all going to give up home runs and hard contact. Those guys get paid too. So that's what I would think Michael Kopech needs to work on more, not confidence, but a little bit more fuck it, a little bit more like I'm good. I don't care what the other pitcher does or the other batter does because if I execute my pitches – there's nothing here to do. And if they hit a home run on me, good job. Next guy up. Mm-hmm. That next guy is getting struck out. So that's, I hope he worked on that. That swings from, man, exhilaration to, ah, oh, man, I'm in the dumps type of thing. That is, if that is confidence, I want his confidence to be that I'm Michael Kopech. I say this time and time again because you bring up the stat plus or the stuff plus stuff. He has elite stuff. I don't think he knows that. And hopefully Brian Bannister has put it upon him and said, dude, I'm looking at you from afar. I remember you in Boston. You got great stuff. You don't pitch like you got great stuff. You pitch like some some guy with uh, five starter stuff. You have elite top of the rotation stuff, and you got this ERA. That's not acceptable. Get better. Yeah, and he talks about throwing more strikes in that interview as well, and whether he was 1-0 or 0-1. Uh, when he was 1-0, 47.3% of the pitches that he throw after – were balls. Yeah. When he was 0-1, 50% of the balls he would throw after were balls. Balls? So, yeah. Oh, whoa. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. So, like, he just had difficulty throwing strikes, and that was the one thing that he mentioned. It wasn't really even going in depth on the cutter or anything like that. It's just throwing strikes and being in the zone. And we have seen, whether it's a slider, whether it's a four-seamer, when he is in the zone, when he's actually challenging and uh, going after hitters, he's more effective, right? Like, I mean, yeah. that, that we have we have seen the the... the Uh, pitch value Uh, I brought it up on the show before when he's in the zone and actually challenging guys he's a way better pitcher and actually useful pitcher rather than throwing you know 51 percent balls I know we got to get to a break but so we can maybe cover this on the backside. what would adding a change up or I mean a cutter for Michael Kopech do for him if it's executed perfectly or better Uh, to I know you know what I think but the numbers might, you know, say a little bit different or your opinion might say a little different than what I think. So let's take a break because mm-hmm. I have thoughts on that. I'll try to put them a little bit more clear. Uh, we do have a new sponsor, Herb. We do? We do. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Let me get my voice out because uh, this isn't a singing one. Because this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the most unexpected, unscripted, unforgettable motorsports experience for families and fans in the world today returns to the Chicagoland area for an adrenaline-charged weekend at the All-State Arena from March 1st to March 3rd, 2024. This weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the world's best drivers show off crazy skills and all-out racing in fierce head-to-head battles for the event championship engineered to perfection the 12,000 pound monster jam trucks push all limits in freestyle skill donuts and racing competition the arena series west champion will receive a highly coveted automatic bid to the prestigious monster jam world finals to compete for the title of world champion see world-class athletes in action performing the craziest stunts in motor sports experience big-time family fun at monster jam unexpected unscripted unforgettable this is monster Jam. See it live at Allstate Arena, March 1st through the 3rd, this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Link for tickets in the description. That is perfect. Thank you. You'll buy the whole seat, but you only need the edge. 
What? Oh, okay. Uh, there you go. Because <laughs> you'll be on the edge of your seat. I, I see what that you That was pretty there. great, Sean. Did you? Thank you. I, I practiced it out on the balcony for like an hour. And Kenny D, he doesn't have to put his legs down because that read was great as hell. No. He's, he's just trying to be comfortable on set yeah. so he can I'm be his most short. genuine self. We're, we're relaxing. We're enjoying Don't the time. Don't you want him to be relaxed? Talking about Here, the white let me, socks. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me sit up in the, in the chair and have my feet touch the ground. Oh, wait. I'm little. Look at those gams, though, friends. Yeah. Hey, look at that. Mm-hmm. Are you on the market for a new vehicle? If you are, then we have some great news for you. Our partner at Ray, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram in Fox Lake is celebrating the President's Day sales event a sales event all month long. And do you know what that mean, her, means, Herb? I don't. Tell me, Sean. You'll be able to shop presidential savings on their wide selection of inventory for a limited time. Get 20% off MSRP on all remaining 2023 Jeep Gladiator models with dealer discount. They're the number one for new vehicle quality among mid-sized trucks, says J.D. Power. And that's not all. Shop their last call on Dodge Challenger and Charger models. Dodge is the most powerful muscle car brand, so you don't want to miss out on their last call with over 20 Dodge muscle cars to choose from. At Ray CDJR, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest inventories and drive home with more money in your pocket than you expect thanks to the Ray's price promise. And don't miss out. Shop great deals all month long and save big because Ray CDJR makes buying a new vehicle more affordable than ever. And you got three days because just listening to CHGO, you'll get a free oil change when you mention CHGO at the service center or mention CHGO when you book online at RayCDJR slash service, but you have to schedule before February 29th. So if you are in the new market for a new vehicle, then you have to check out our team at Ray Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram because they're the only team we recommend. Visit them today on Route 12 in Fox Lake. For more information, visit RayCDJR in Fox Lake or RayCDJR.com, serving the community since 1963. So you bring up the cutter fact. Yeah. The thing with Kopech is, first off, throwing strikes. Um, just being in the zone is going to do a huge thing for him. If he can locate his four-seam fastball at the top of the zone, like truly at the top of the zone as a strike, or just even tantalizing above the zone, he will be effective. It's mostly about making sure that slider is in you know, going away from, from righties in the lower half and just making sure it's in the lower half of the zone, right? If he can just do that thing, he can be a two-pitch pitcher where he's four-seam and slider uh, and just making sure that those levels are split up where, you know, stuff high in the zone is his four-seam fastball, stuff low in the zone is his slider, uh, curveball changeup if he wants to, to mix it in. Now, Kopech and what Brian Bannister has talked about is a lot of Kopech's misses are up and into right-handed batters, or at least from his pitching hand, uh, just away, right? So it's it's going more arm side than it is glove side. Yeah. Um, it just has a natural tail. So if Kopech is throwing that four-seam fastball with that natural arm side tail, a cutter will then just go the other way. Mm -hmm. So hopefully what it would do, if he is effectively throwing that cutter around... 90 to 92 and giving it at least a similar feel or look as his four seam fastball mm -hmm. hopefully that will just make hitters create weaker contact i don't think this is supposed to be a swing and miss pitch no. it's still his slider four seam fastball that are supposed to be those swing and miss pitches i think the cutter is especially to righties let's paint on the the black of the paint uh, of the plate away from hitters because hey if they think that that's going to be a forcing fastball coming up and in we'll hopefully get if and we're throwing a changeup and they think it's a forcing fastball hopefully we'll get it at the end of the bat uh, and induce weak contact and you could play up to that defense if you are going against lefties you could go in on lefties rather than just throwing them that that tail that, that four seamer that tails uh to the kind of plate where you can get extended yep. on those forcing fastballs so it just gives him a different movement um also, too, what he talked about there was a little bit of uh, seam-shifted wake with Brian Bannister, and Brian Bannister's talking to him about that. I've tried to figure that out more. Uh, Brian Bannister had a really good idea or a really good way to explain it to a 10-year-old, and that's, I think, what level I'm at hey, is a 10-year-old. All of us. Um, and basically what he said is, and this works, too, because it's got a flat side, but like a plane wing, seam-shifted wake, this seam will, caught, will make it tougher for air to travel over. So like a plane, the flat side of a plane, that's what causes the lift. Cool. This keeps it to be a, like help natural movement more, yeah. right? Like so what So Kopech is it not it's not necessarily 
rising, but it, to the hitter, it looks like it's just it's staying at the well, same level, but it looks rising to the hitter. Well, no, no, no. So like this, the sh- seam shifted wake part, at least with what I think that they're going to do. And I talked to Luke Smyze, who uh, again wrote that article and mentioned that Kopech should add a cutter. Um, it's more about the grip, I feel. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to fully explain this, but I will just use stat cast terms. Um, I could understand it more on a baseball. But basically, Kopech is gripping his slider at 815, okay. and, or was in 2021. And then in 2022 and 2023, uh, he was more at 830 to try to create a different uh, movement shape than his curveball. Mm-hmm. In 2021, where he was more 815 on the side of the ball, allowed him to create more seam shifted wake, and that allowed the pitch to go uh, more away from the batter, at least uh, if you're facing a righty, or at least more glove side. So, you know, Michael Kopech holds his glove in his left hand, going more towards that left-handed batter's box. Um, You look at the movement profile from that, Ooh, where's that tab, baby? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, The movement was about nine inches in 2021. It was about five last year. So he lost about four inches of movement in 2022 and 2023 going away from hitters. And that's why in 2021 it was so effective. I don't think it's a really like spin issue. I think it is truly a grip issue because the spins about the same, uh, around, uh, 2350, yeah. uh, for 2023, 2022 and 2021. It's just going to hopefully naturally use the physics of a baseball to get more movement away from, uh, for, from hitters. So hopefully Kopech is throwing that 95, 96, 97 mile per hour four seam fastball. I would think that cutter's likely around 93, just with the uh, uh, power he can typically generate. And then that slider is typically around 83 to 85. As long as he, and Brian Bannister understands this a lot better than I do, can take advantage of that seam shifted wake, he should be able to get more natural movement that will be positive against right-handed hitters to create more swings and misses and then that cutter hopefully that will just be able to stay more on a flatter plane and and go away from from hitters compared to his forcing fastball i think that's what they're trying to do <laughs> as baloney points out and a great guy uh, south side bums out there losing four inches would be devastating for most of us yes it would be so i understand um yeah like you're just pretty much like in a left-hander's kitchen or you're in the middle of the plate. Like, the mm-hmm. plate is 17 inches wide. I learned that from Steve Stone. So if you're losing four of those inches to a right-hander instead of being off the plate and him flailing it, that's maybe him hitting off the end of the bat and dunk sword it to right, or getting the juicy part there and crushing it to right center field for a home run or a double. And Kevin asked, does, this, does the cutter replace as a third pitch? We haven't seen him throw it. I don't know how good the pitch is. I would assume that he likely, just because he can throw it to lefties and righties, the cutter, I would assume that will become his second pitch. His four seam would be that main pitch that he threw 60 plus percent of the time last year. That needs to go down because someone brought up, you know, they're sitting on the fastball. It's tough to sit on that good of a fastball. Um, Even to righties, he gave up five homers to righties last year. Only one of them was on the fastball. Um, 15 homers to lefties but that's mainly just because he didn't have a pitch besides the fastball to give them so i think that's why the cutter will be the second pitch the slider will be third and his changeup was somewhat effective when it was he was able to actually get it lower in the zone so i think it's forcing cutter slider change and kevin mentions he wasn't throwing the curveball too much last year he really wasn't it wasn't super effective i don't think he really has a grip for it uh and it does seem like curveballs are kind of falling out of fashion anyways this day uh so i do think that it's likely he'll have still be a four seam pitch a force a four pitch pitcher and it'll be four seam cutter slider curve or change up and uh balloon i missed i said south side bumps chicago sports bumps i'll actually be on the show I think uh, we have a scheduled right now for March 18th. Oh, look at you. Uh, glad, glad, glad you're self-promoting her. Yeah. That's very good for you. Uh, all right, let's get into uh, some CHGO stuff. Or not CHGO stuff. Uh, let's get into some stadium stuff here. Uh, you brought up the J.B. Pritzker uh, comment today. Uh, I did have the full transcript, and then I lost it. Um, but basically, J.B. saying taxpayer dollars are precious. Yep. And the... Mockups are nice, but you have to actually truly see something beneficial to the state 
to the city that would get these taxpayer dollars. What do you make of JB's comments on Jerry Reinsdorf looking for like $4 million from the state and government? Uh, What do you make on JB's stance here? I think it's just a great stance. And I think he's said this in the public before where he just like, where's the benefit? Where is the plan, the data that backs up what Jerry Reinsdorf and related Midwest say is going to bring dollars to the Chicagoland area for us using that money as taxpayers. And he hadn't seen it yet. Like Jerry Reinsdorf went to Springfield, talked to lawmakers, met with some of J.B. Pritzker's people, but J.B. didn't have an audience, according to J.B. with his quote today, with Jerry Reinsdorf. He says he hadn't seen the plan that actually gives the Chicago taxpayer a reason to believe that this is going to happen. So as a billionaire himself, J.B. Pritzker, who uh, grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth, he understands more than most that a billion dollars and $2.4 billion, as Jerry's listed as, is a lot of money. You can buy your own stadium. You can loan, get a loan from somebody with the money that you already have. And so he's probably like, no, I don't, we don't need to do the things that Jerry Reinsdorf from Related Midwest are thinking unless they show me a plan that is a little bit more concrete that, hey, we're going to make money. And JB sees all these plans, and uh, Craig Calcaterra has a good um, – like newsletter where he goes over how publicly built stadiums don't necessarily give back to the city that built that stadium. It actually, most times it drains them of some money, as we can see here in this city where we go 50 still million of guaranteed rate. And I don't know how much more on the renovations of Soldier Field, but we're all paying for that. So this is a great thing that your governor of the state of Illinois is not saying uh, plainly no, because it's really bad for a politician to say no and then having to track or backtrack his words later on. But he's coming out as strong as I think a politician can in the interim, in the preliminary talks about this thing to say this is a no go from the start because there is no benefit for the taxpayers. And he brought up a thing about birthing centers or the ballpark, like which one would you know, help the actual community a little bit more if you're using taxpayer money. And that's, of course, the birthing centers. And so there, this money can be used for other things and not for a billionaire to spend and then bounce out eventually. So I'm glad that JB says this. I need most of the politicians in Illinois to state this too to have a strong stance that, yes, we would love the White Sox to stay in Chicago. The beautiful ballpark and what the plans are, smooth. But pay for your own stadium. Right. And if you're going to ask for taxpayer dollars, show me a reason why this would be good for the White Sox. Well, they will, they will stay here. That's not a good enough reason. White Sox, where they're at right now, doesn't matter. Most White Sox fans will be like, okay, cool. You guys are leaving. Bye. Peace. So I'm... Uh, elated that J.B. Pritzker came out as strong as he did, even though he could have gone a bit stronger, too. Well, and it's interesting, too. uh, On February 23rd, the Sun-Times had an article on why is Jerry Reinsdorf spending millions buying up parking lots around the United Center? The first line actually is, why is he spending millions? Because we know that he's broke. Right. Obviously, he, he doesn't have millions to spend. He's asking for money to, Man, to do something. Hat in hand. Um, guess, Jerry. The Sun-Times write, as White Sox chairman, Jerry Reinsdorf seeks $1 billion in taxpayer funding for a new ballpark in plain mixed-use district in the South Loop. His associates have spent millions of dollars buying parking lots run by his com- mm. competitors to build what could be a smaller district around the United Center. Over the past 19 months, a Reinsdorf-connected company has spent $44.7 million buying vacant lots from two politically connected families that have long offered discounting parking deals to fans of the Blackhawks and Bulls. Records examined by the Sun-Times show, a third family has refused to sell its parking lots. Uh, It goes into details on the business partners that he's working with. Uh, But if Jerry has this grand plan for the White Sox, why wouldn't he have this grand plan for the Bulls too? And it seems like they are buying up all those parking lots. I think this was mentioned by Sox Machine. Uh, You know, could he possibly take the same route around 35th and Shields and buy up all those parking lots and say, hey, we're going to commit to the place that we've been for over 100 years and uh, we'll build that ballpark here. Like, do you think that at least first off with the parking thing, what do you what do you make of Jerry buying all those parking lots over around the UC? Because it seems likely that he's just doing the same thing twice. Yeah, I 
I don't understand these owners who are reactive instead of proactive. Like the the obvious thing for him and when Bill Wirtz and him got together to build the United Center with their own money, mind you, was to build up that area around there, the west side of Chicago right there on Madison Avenue. Like, there's nothing right there. Specifically, there's no restaurant you can go to. I mean, I guess there's a, a bocce's right there for a slice of pizza. But you could have things like Garrett, like Wrigley Field has right now, where you leave the game, it's something else happening, but you keep on collecting money, passive income, by you just having that stuff. So it's smart of him to buy $44 million of those parking lots and to build some things for themselves so they can have some income. But they're going about this way too <laughs> late in the game and now that he's put all this money out for that he's probably you know not very rich liquid wise like 44 million is a really a lot of money i mean even for a billionaire but he probably doesn't have enough money to build his own stadium on the south loop but of course like i said take out loans do whatever you need to do because when the white Sox, if they were to build that stadium and build this place up in the united center they will be having passive income happening for themselves and be having uh, income tenfold of what they spent. So I don't know what he's doing uh, necessarily, but I know eventually he's going to mess it up because he messes up most things that he does. I mean, we see, the like last night, the Bulls, I mean, the Hawks gave a special thing to Chris Chelios. That was so perfect, that appreciation for that man. And the Hawks, did that a team that it messes up PR things all the time think about the Bulls when they did their whole uh ring of honor thing that was a fuck up all the way through you don't have Michael Jordan going there Scotty's not there etc etc Michael didn't Michael show up for Chris Jelios no you know, or he but, sent in a video but a bunch of stars did like you got Johnny Drama there you got, you got Theo Epstein you got everybody there it was a great time had by all this is why I'm saying Jerry just messes up everything he touches and I know people are going to say well he bought the team for 19 million now it's worth 2 billion I think a smarter owner would have had this thing up there by the Yankees would have had this thing like a lot more money than he gets right now because he doesn't own the stadium he could have been having his 3 million of attendance if he would have did smarter things so whatever this is I think Jerry's going to blow whatever it is and he's going to blow the South Loop thing because he's getting too greedy I think if even if you meet us halfway and say the stadium's a billion dollars and you say to the fans, I'm putting in $500 million. Can you hook me up on the other side? We would be saying no, but at least it would be some type of goodwill gesture where you're at least putting a little stake in the game. Now he just wants all of our money and not putting a dime in this. We already did that for you, Jerry. So I know whatever this $44 million for this buying up the parking lots in that area around there, it's going to be messed up. So get out of here. Like Sell the team. I'm not wishing for his death, but you know that as soon as he passes and this team goes to another owner, it's going to be better because they understand business and they're not selfish jerks like Jerry Reinsdorf. We'll see. Um, most billionaires that I know or have heard of are, are selfish jerks. Oh, all of them. So I, 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 I don't know. Not, uh, not a good billionaire. who uh, If you're a billionaire and you say you're a philanthropist, you're a bad one. Right, you're yeah, because you got you got still got a lot of money you're sitting on. Uh, we want to take a break and let you know about our friends over at Circus Sportsbook. Over at Circus Sportsbook, there are tight money line splits. Games will strive to be minus one ten split on the Circus Sports menu, unlike other sportsbooks which may use a minus one fifteen or minus one twenty split. And Circus able to do this because they keep as little money as possible on large market bets like futures or golf tournaments, especially compared to other books. And they have high app limits and transparency they don't limit players based on their winnings every player has the same limits unlike other books who do limit winning players and they encourage bettors to download and explore all sports betting apps available circa is the world's largest sports book so if they don't have the best odds which is very rare Mm -hmm. uh, most of if not all the time they will have the best odds they want you to compare lines from each sports book so you know that when you're laying your money down you are getting the best price possible on the wager you want to make and there are real people behind the circa sports brand who resolve issues in a timely fashion unlike other books who use chat bots all aspects of the app are being run by the same team that runs the main circus sports book at circus resort and casino in las vegas so download the circus sports illinois app at circusportscom slash illinois dash app at circusportscom slash illinois dash app to sign up today also be on the lookout for circa events watch parties and tailgates if you or someone you know may have a problem with gambling call 1-800-GAMBLER 1-800-426-2537 text gmb to 833-234 visit areyoureallywinning.com 
Our sales guy, Jim Cook, told us that our official beer for this summer would be Leinenkugel. I damn near fell out of my seat because if you know me, you know I love me some Leinenkugel as I'm drinking a Sunset Wheat right now. But nothing to me sounds like summer. And I know this weather today is reminding you of summer, being out at the cookout, being out at guaranteed rate, then having a nice, delicious summer shandy from Line and Kugel. But I know you're saying, Herb, summer shandies are summer seasonal beers. What could I be drinking in the interim from Line and Kugel? Well, I'm glad you asked because Line and Kugel has an original lager, a light lager, Lakeside Cherry. What I'm drinking right now is a sunset wheat, a juicy peach. Barry Weiss, Northwoods Amber, a dark lager, and much, much more. I am enjoying, like earlier in the last week, I was enjoying a Honey Weiss, which is made with real Wisconsin honey. So you know it's good. Have you ever have you tried some of their beers? You know that they always bring the flavor for whatever Cajun that you are celebrating. For over 150 years, Line Kugel has combined German brewing traditions with Wisconsin innovation. You don't just have to pick one. Line Kugel has popular variety packs that come with four different flavors for your cooler whatever you're going to be doing the sunset wheat is a perfect blend of citrus and blueberries that i love to drink while i'm talking to you guys here on chgo white Sox. flavor light simple moments with line and kugels the official craft beer of the chicago white Sox. go to liney.com slash chgo to find delivery options near you that's l-e-i-n-i-e dot com slash chgo or pick up line and kugel anywhere they sell beer line and kugels Flavor of the moment. Celebrate responsibly. The Jacob Leiden Kugel Brewing Company, Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Hey, Herb. Uh, Hello. Jordo wants me to know that Cody Bellinger signed a three-year deal with the Cube. Ice Cube? I think, you know, that that uh, that Cube over in Europe. West Side Connection? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, guess it, I guess he means the Cubs. Jordo, I appreciate you giving us that breaking news that happened a couple days ago. Here's the thing. Appreciate it. The reason why I'm bringing it up on a Cub show is not really because of the Cubs, not really because it even matters to the White Sox. It's not like they were in the Cody Bellinger, uh, you know, what's it called? Sweepstakes. Yes. At like 1.30, 2 a.m., <laughs> yeah. when that news broke, Cody Del Mendo was firing away yeah. live on the CHGO Sports YouTube channel with like a thousand people. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to be. If there is breaking news, if there is something huge, if there is something that we need to be to react with, with you, the fans, as we are fans, uh, we'll we'll try to do that as, media, as immediately as possible. Thankfully, the... Uh, Andrew Benatendi news broke at like 312 I think while we were doing our show so like no need to do an emergency podcast we're already doing one uh, but if anything happens hopefully we can be like Cody uh, and, and bring you an emergency podcast whenever news happens none of that stuff is gonna happen we didn't have one thing that we's like you know what should we do a emergency oh. podcast this offseason did we like the trade of for the Braves with the Aaron Bummer I don't know if we got on no. immediately Definitely didn't get on when Martin Maldonado signed or got Paul DeYoung. Like, these are different things. I would love to come on at 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, and stay on with you guys for multiple hours to talk about the White Sox getting a big-time free agent next year. I'm putting in the air, Sean. I know it's impossible. I know Jerry Reinsler is still the owner. I'm putting in the air again. Juan Soto's a free agent. Put out there. Let's go. If you want to build a new stadium, you want us to have our taxpayer money, Give us Juan Soto and we'll think about it strongly. Reject it, but we'll think about it strongly. I love you, Herb. Uh, I, I I would love to see them go out and do that. Uh, I don't. But why did why did it take so long? Why did it take until one thirty to sign on a Saturday until a Sunday for Cody Bellinger well, to sign? I don't even think it was. I think it was more that Lisa lady had a scoop. Oh man! And I think they were probably just going to sit on it and probably just release it in the morning. Lisa L. Dubs. Like I said, her name is Dubs. What do you think she does? Just wins all the time. To be fair, the middle initial is L, though. She 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 she, she holding that L. And her first and her first name is Lisa, so she had two L's. But that Dubs overrides both of them. <laughs> uh, I think our last uh, what's it called emergency podcast was uh, when they fired, fired. Con. Yeah, uh, I and was, then before that, it was when Morell hit the walk-off homer, so you did that live with Cody and Luke. Oh, it hurt. Oh, God. Yeah, it's always bad when the White Sox and we do a, a podcast. We want a positive one. Man, the White Sox won five games in a row. We will do a live podcast after that, even if that's on Saturday. But, you know, didn't they, they didn't even come close to winning five in a row, did they, last year? 
Or no, they did, Rest and then they immediately lost the next game because we we're gonna give our octopus dance or a octopus dance after that five game winning streak, and then they like immediately lost. I don't. I don't remember them even having a five game win yes. streak. You're making that up. No, I think they did. There's no way they won. They won five straight. Games. They swept a team last year. Yeah, I'm telling you, you're coming on too. Yeah, they did. Baloney, you're coming on our 24 hour live stream when Soto signs with the Sox. Wait, we're doing a 24-hour live stream if with he Soto? Si- if he signs with the Sox, I'm doing a emergency, whatever they call, mar- uh, mar- uh, the marathon, which I hate because the marathon is running, not 24 hours, um, podcast. And you can come in every once in a while. If you want to stay for all the 24 hours, Sean, Ooh. I'm there. Call it a podcast-a-thon. And if they, they used to do that with radio-a-thon. Even if they go over the Andrew Benintendi $75 million, which the Cubs did with a three-year deal to the damn Cody Bellinger, I'll do a 24-hour damn thing for the White Sox. To be fair, that Bellinger thing could be one-year $30 million. Might not even it break should the, be one-year $30 million. Million. I'm uh, immediately gone after that. It's 100% <laughs> going to be two-year $60 because they ain't accepting that $20 million at the end, at that third year. No, but I mean, also, too, though, I mean, you know, he might just leave after this year. Just he should uh, just try to. Hey, yeah. If they sign Cody Bellinger, I'll do a, a podcast. They'll give you thirty million again. All right, uh, let's get into some of the spring training stuff before we wrap up. Uh, again, Vinny will be able to bring more color because he was there live, uh, but he's currently on a plane, so hopefully he has a safe trip back, and uh, we'll see him very soon. Uh, but Herb, we were last talking with the people about spring training on Friday. Mm-hmm. That was after a White Sox loss to the Cub, and it really hasn't gotten much better since. On Saturday, they did win on a walk-off from Edgar Caro. Boom. Stand up, Southside. Uh, from Good J- call. From John Schriffen. Uh, he's, he's getting ready for all 61 wins that he'll be calling. Um, <laughs> They're 61 and 101. Stand up, White Sox fans. <laughs> They're eight and, eight, they went 8-7 eight, eight to seven on Saturday, and then on Sunday against the Diamondbacks, they lose 5 to nothing, and then today on Monday, they lose 4-2. to two. Uh, What has been your takeaway from these four games? Um, they almost got no hit by the D-backs yesterday. Went into the ninth inning with zero hits, even though the hit by, uh, I think it was uh, Brian Ramos earlier in the game, should have been a hit, which was eventually called a hit because uh, Oscar Colas in the ninth inning got an actual real hit, and so they awarded Brian Ramos a couple innings later that he got a hit. But, yeah, um, I know it's spring training, and I know they didn't have their A team out there because they are on the road with the Diamondbacks, but it's just... As you said, 20 hits in four games. Mm-hmm. Sounds like last year. I know that we know that they're not going to hit a lot this year. Even today, today's game, the pitcher's wild. He walks Benintendi. Moncada gets a single. Um, Robert Luis gets Robert hit. gets hit by a ball, and then immediately Aloy grounds out to third base. That's the only run they got. They had bases loaded, no one out. That is a theme, as we remember last year, that the White Sox had a lo- hard time of runners to score position, and especially with bases loaded. And so – my early four games into this is it's going to be bad. And then the defense, which we were promised is going to be better, misplayed by Dominic Fletcher. We already talked about the Paul DeYoung play where he gets the ball, argues with the ump that he got the guy out while the other guy comes home and scores the run. So I just think that this team is in the early stages of playing what Pedro Deems White Sox way, but it just looks more the same through four games. Now they have another month to do a little bit better. Opening day is not until March 28th. Hopefully they can get this stuff together, but it's not looking promising four games into the uh, spring season. Sox were one of seven teams with a weighted runs created plus under 90 when runners were in scoring position along with the Rockies, White Sox, Angels, Guardians, Yankees, Royals, and uh, Athletics. So, hey, at least they're playing like the Royals. All those teams didn't make playoffs, right? Yankees Yankees did not make the playoffs. They were bad. Um, Yeah, no one made the playoffs. So, what you're saying is that it helps to score runs? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's nice. Like, and like, this is the thing. Like, and Lloyd got down like one two to this guy who's not finding the plate. Like, this, these things have to be taken into account. You have to see how he's doing versus the other people, and not look to launch initially on a ball where the guy just gave up a walk to Benintendi and then hit Luis Robert. Okay, he's a little wild. Cool. If he throws me a ball in this zone, fastball down the middle, I'm gonna take an offer. Otherwise, I'm gonna let him work himself into a trouble. These are the things that the White Sox and new hitting coach Micah Timms have to work on to execute these plays. That's where you get your runs where the other team's on the ropes and you only give up one run. 
they are, they feel like they've won if you've uh, done that situation. Well, and we got Fred and Matt saying it's only four games. Obviously, I think it will get better. Um, it's just it's just it's not really great to watch uh, so far. The four, the first four games have not been good, and obviously, if this is a team that is relying on pitching and defense, pitching will get stronger as the season goes along. As these guys build strength, the defense will hopefully get a little bit better once these guys have a little bit more rapport with one another. But if they're not hitting and they're not pitching well and they're not playing defense well, it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, so that's all I'm saying. The four games have been pretty bad, and I get it. Like I, I don't know why. And I understand you want to give a clean slate to the team, but why? You've seen the movie. You know what is going on. So why are you giving the benefits out? It's only four games. You've seen this, though. Like, this thing has been constant. And if you keep on seeing the same thing, you know, it's only four games. That doesn't matter. They're doing the same stuff they did last year where it's not executing, where it's supposed to be different. And, yes, four games is not a lot. But it's also what they've always done. Maybe something will change, though. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll talk about what could change uh, with the leadership part of this 2024 team that could set them apart. Uh, Herb, is your singing voice ready? Always. <clears throat> Five, eight, eight, two, three hundred. Empire Today. With Empire Today, you get shop at home convenience, the right product for your needs, quick and professional installation, and a low price guarantee. Empire Today is the best place to get new flooring, so of course they have copycats, but Empire cannot be beaten on their quality, service, and speed. So competitors average a low quality product or low quality products that Empire simply won't carry. Empire won't promise the lowest prices because anyone who does is putting flooring in your home that they wouldn't put in theirs. Empire keeps shopping for floors simple with a curated product selection. Their philosophy is to help you find what you need and not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. What they leave out of their selection is just as important as what they put in their selection and their product team exhaustively combs through thousands and thousands and thousands of product samples each year to find the perfect styles. And you can see those styles through their virtual floor designer. It's a great way to see how new floors will look in any space. It's easy. Just snap a picture and instantly see how new floors will look in your room. So schedule a free in-home estimate today all listeners can receive a 350 dollars off discount when they use promo code chgo restrictions apply see empiretoday.com chgo for details again all listeners can receive a 350 dollars off discount when they use promo code chgo over at empiretoday.com chgo the chgo white Sox crew got three scheduled takeovers for this year May 27th, that's Memorial Day for KPW Toronto Blue Jays like we did last year. Wasn't a great day as far as the White Sox on the scoreboard, but we all had a great time there in that day. Wasn't a good day for Danny Mendix ACL? No, it wasn't. It was really bad for that. And also it was bad for... Um, what uh, Vinny Duber, who uh, got a sunburn that day. Yeah. That was 2022, not 2023. 20, uh, June 24th versus Shoei Itani, Freddie Freeman, Mark uh, Mookie Betts, Teoscar Hernandez, and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And our last one, August 9th versus Cody Bellinger and the Cubs. Fireworks to follow that game. Our seats will be in section 147, where I believe it's down the third baseline. And remember, if you're a diehard member, you get 20% off of this too. So the event, uh, the code I actually I put in uh, and I saw, I think it was Melissa Sage Bolenbach who asked about the event um, diehard promo code. It's in our Discord right now. And so if you are a Discord member, you can, or uh, all CHGO diehard member, it's in our Discord. You can go and find it there. Just hit me up on Discord if you need it again. But go to the CHGO White Sox Twitter page and it's the pinned tweet for the link to buy the tickets if you are not. But if you are one, I mean, if you want to go and you want to become a diehard, allchgo.com slash diehard to become a diehard so you can get 20% off of things like this. And also, starting today through Wednesday, 30% off of gear like this. This great CHGO hat, the shirt I have on right now, the Meatball Island. I don't know if that's covered, but... It's a diehard exclusive, so yeah. I think if you're a diehard, you can order it, and I still think it's 30% off. Yeah, and so you have so many options. So... We're having this until Wednesday evening. Most of our shirts are marked down 30%. Just go to chgolocker.com and stock up on all your favorite shirts and hats and cups while the sale lasts. The 30% is automatically added at checkout. So stock up where you can on chgolocker.com. Yeah, the Meatball Island Navy crew neck is still available. Oh, it's right there in the the picture too. So yeah, the Meatball Island stuff, you are available to get that off for 30% off until Wednesday. So go now, don't delay. 
Right. And as you mentioned, uh, it's automatically applied. So just start adding stuff to your cart and that uh, 30% discount will be added. So thank you very much, Herb. I got one. I got the Connor Bedard uh, 16-bit one. Oh, yeah. Oh, it wasn't in stock a couple of months ago. I saw it today. Had to grab it. Hot. Especially it's 30% off. Perfect time to grab it. Hockey Herb. Uh, and there, there are some White Sox shirts in there. There's the Cy C shirt that we could still sell because he's on the team. So there you go. This uh, shirt right here, Sox I got shirt. on is the White Sox shirt. Yeah. The CHGO Cursive White Sox. We got a, a glass as well with the Brawler logo. We got a shirt uh, with the Brawler logo as well. So there are some sock shirts out there. Uh, we're, we're trying to think of more. So if, hey, if you got any shirt ideas, throw them out there. Uh, but uh, we are also coming up next week uh, will be our two week, or not two week, our second year anniversary. Uh, we're, I think, a thousand and... 1,100 followers away from 50K on YouTube. Uh, it might be a little bit difficult to get there. Uh, we do have the power of the bears to hopefully uh, push us towards 50K. Uh, but hey, if you know somebody who doesn't know about us, make sure you're telling them. Uh, and hey, they can also get some great merch right now for 30% off. We also do have new diehards that joined. Uh, Wells, Wes is back. So welcome back to Wes. Don, Timmy, Holden, Michael, Ray, Mike Ian, Scott. Mike Ian's a one person. Scott, Darius, and Gary. So uh, thank you very much for joining us over the week. Weekend like Scotty a diehard from Anthrax. Yeah, sure. I don't okay. get that reference. Scotty Ian is a player. Oh, I think like Janice Ian. Ian. Who? Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, hit the thumbs up button. What a friends thing. Make sure you're subscribing. No, Janice Ian's a singer. I think. Okay. Uh, final thing that we want to talk about. I got. Well, actually, I guess we got two things to talk about. Uh, Martin Maldonado. This is from Vinny on uh, the 25th. Martin Maldonado didn't run hard on a ball back to the pitcher during the Sox loss to the Cubs the other day. Mm -hmm. He stood up in front of the team to own it. Quote, we have some goals to accomplish. I didn't come out of the box the way I should have come out of the box. I want to lead by example. End quote. Pedro Grafal said it was good Maldonado stepped up in front of the team. Quote, the optics of it, they weren't good. And it doesn't take a baseball purist to see that. If the optics aren't that good, it's not good. I'll be damned if we're going to watch lack of effort. That's not who we are. Do you want to see Martin Maldonado hustling? As much as he can hustle, yeah. But we know he's not going to make it the first on a beat out of ball that's hit deep into the hole. But, so, yeah, it goes person to person. But I guess he's a leader. He was brought here to be a leader. So he has to set the tone. I would want Pedro to dress him down. Like he dressed down Oscar Colas and say that there's no sacred cows here. There's no person on this team that can't be talked about like he did last year with Luis Robert. And you saw how that Luis Robert turned into the Luis Robert that he was. I don't say that it is because of that, but he did come out of that as Luis Robert. But if Martinez offering this thing, that's good. But I would want Pedro to go before that and said, hey, man, this ain't it. We ain't we ain't about that. You come here, you hustle. I don't care if your leg is hurt. Your leg is hurt, sit your ass on the bench. Well, same game. We saw Oscar Colas hustling. Yes. We brought up how he's playing the fast way. Pedro Grafal said, you watching the game, uh, I guess it, it, this is kind of a weird way to say it, but if you are watching the game, is that what you want to say? If you pay to watch us play, is that something you want to see? That's what it's about. That's who we are. That's who we're talking about becoming. That's it. On hustling on an infield hit. Again, uh, if, if Martin Maldonado, I think, hustled as hard as he could, he'd still be thrown out probably from left field at first base. Yes. I don't get it because his legs are better off squatting to catch balls. I can't even play fast. Like, I, I just don't understand it. And if it is a ploy to be a guy that's like, self-admonishing and I think Liam Hendricks once described it as the White Sox needing an authoritarian mm -hmm. like if this is Martin Maldonado trying to become that I think it's a pretty lame way to do it on you know not not hustling out a, a, a single in the first spring training game he could be fast he could be fearless yeah he could, he he could, could be what is it a aggressive okay what's s S is steadfast. I don't think it's steadfast. And t I know T is technically sound. It yes. should be technical instead of fast. It's fast. You can't get the S. You got fearless, aggressive, technically sound. Smart. No. Um, Sizzler. I give you something. That uh, means I'm selfless. Selfless. There you go. Uh, so uh, Martin Maldonado was uh, not selfless. Very selfish. Uh, trying to hold up all of his energy to catch in a spring training game. Uh, whatever. We'll, yeah, and, we'll see if he's a leader. I mean, it seemed like when I sent you that thing about the Texas Rangers, oof, Texas Rangers broadcast crew, 
talking about Martin Maldonado? Hey, that's a good point. A good segue. Let's wrap this up because uh, this is a funny way to send it out. We got a ton of people watching. I think we had over 50 people watching. Only 21 likes. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button. Also, shout out to uh, Baloney who ended up sending in a super chat. Uh, thank you, Baloney. I should have gotten to this earlier. Uh, no free ads. You guys are the best. Go Sox. Uh, go check them out. They moved their show up at 8 o'clock, eight o'clock. Mondays. Uh, so, so go check them out later tonight. Uh, let's get to the Martin Maldonado stuff. As Herb said, this is from the Rangers broadcast who has seen a lot of Martin Maldonado as he was a former Astro. And this is their impression of Martin Maldonado, the White Sox. Maldonado. He is a Chicago White Sox He's going to be their now. catcher. Yeah. 1-0, that's up and in. That's how you know you're in a rebuild. <laughs> <laughs> Maldonado. (laughs) (laughs) Not choking on your own laughter uh, because Martin Maldonado is now a White Sox. Going to show them the winning ways. The Rangers are really uh, uh, having those uh, new new rings clog up their ears. Hey, man, when you won that championship, you feeling good. You can talk about anybody else. I'm not arguing with them either. They are dunking on the White Sox on their broadcast. It's all good, but it's more they're dunking on Martin Maldonado because the story they told before was where they were talking about when the Astros played the Rangers in the playoffs and Maldonado did some certain things where they didn't like, especially the Rangers. And so they want to get their pound of flesh off of Martin Maldonado, not necessarily the White Sox, but <laughs> they, they did give a side swipe to the White Sox. Like you could tell that's when you're rebuilding when you go to those White Sox. Ooh, hey, I hope the White Sox sweep the Rangers in both of their series. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be fantastic to see? White Sox are 6-0 and versus also, the defending I also champions. would love to win some money. Or reigning champions, Thank I you, guess. Uh, William Mosley saying they have about five catchers in camps. They could leave it all on the field. The issue is, if Martin Maldonado gets hurt leaving it all on the field, he can't play in the 162 games that count. I don't want to see Chucky Robinson. I don't want to see Adam Hackenberg. I don't want to see Carlos Perez. Do you want to see Corey Lee? He left Earth the other day. I, I, bomb I, home I, run. I would rather see Corey Lee, but I'm glad that they have two healthy major league catchers and Martin Maldonado and Max Stassi. They might be 30 and 31 on a power ranking of catchers, but God damn it, they're at least starting-ish quality. Uh, I, I don't know about Corey Lee. I don't know about Adam Hackenberg. And I don't know about Chucky Robinson. Final thing, there was some StatCast data on that Saturday game for the Diamondbacks. Not much to take from the hitting side because, again, they only had like two hits in the game. But Davey Garcia is one to watch out for. He threw 14 forcing fastballs. We talked about his uh, flat plane that he's able to create when he throws that ball up in the zone. He had three whiffs on six swings. Oh, he was wow. Also able to get three called strikes on the plus pitch, 43 called strike plus whiff percentage on that pitch alone, 30% over his 23 pitches. So he was very effective. I think Garcia will likely win a bullpen spot at the end of the year, and he's sitting basically where he was uh, last year. He's actually up a little bit uh, of a tick. Uh, Yearly average last year was, I think, 94.8, and he's up apparently about seven miles per hour uh, with his forcing fastball. I don't know if that's early or just because he's early and he'll wear down during the year but right now his fastball is at a good spot I and mean, then also on Saturday we saw Jonathan Cannon he threw 25 pitches 17 of them were sinkers and they were very effective uh, two whiffs on six swings four called strikes 35% called strike plus whiff rate on that pitch his uh, cutter was also effective uh, one whiff on three pitch on three swings uh, a called strike as well, 33% called strike plus whiff rate. So, again, loading up on strikes, something we want to see from all young pitchers and even Michael Kopech, who we had the interview from early on. So, thank you to our guy, Vinny Duber, uh, at Vinny Duber, our CHGO White Sox beat writer. It was fantastic with Kopech. We got more with Grafol, Stassi, etc., uh, Fetty coming up. So, make sure you subscribe to CHGO Sports YouTube channel. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow Herb at Eckernwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. Thank you to Sarah for producing the show. And Vinny will be back tomorrow to tell us all about his travels to Arizona. So thank you to everyone for hanging out. Make sure that thumbs up button. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 5 p.m. Goodbye.